So we're going ahead and we're reviewing SummerSlam right now because um, I was originally supposed to have done... I was actually going to try and do this and make this as a podcast, but I couldn't do it because um, I was trying to do a live episode of the main event talk on the night after SummerSlam when it was over. And it wasn't one of those things where, you know, I went ahead and scheduled it. I just went ahead and did it because, you know, I wanted to give my review, I wanted to give my thoughts on it. And while while I was doing it, um, I couldn't do it because during the live episode, I mean, I was pretty much almost an hour into the episode. And when I got into it, uh, somebody had came in and pretty much interrupted me while I was uh, trying to do the podcast. So there was no way for me to finish it off, you know, and I was trying to, I, I promised that I was going to get back on it, and I never did because uh, I had a lot of uh, obligations I had to work on. So then I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do exactly what I was supposed to have already done originally, and let's go ahead and, uh, you know, place the podcast, and that's what I did. So that's what I'm doing right now. So I did, uh, in this review, I decided that, you know, there's no, there's really no need to go ahead and just mention everything from some of the matches that have happened because there were, the, the SummerSlam event was good. It was not the best and it wasn't like, it wasn't like better than NXT TakeOver. It was pretty much a slight close, uh, you know, right at close range and everything, but it wasn't really there, you know. The matchup with Natalia versus, uh, Becky Lynch, that was pretty good. Uh, I, I dig the matchup in every way possible. Although I kind of was expecting a little bit of a surprise to happen at the end of the matchup, but it ended up Becky Lynch winning the title, which was pretty much not a surprise. It didn't surprise anybody. It didn't surprise me at all. You know. And then Goldberg versus um, Dolph Ziggler. Oh my God! You want to talk about a joke? I mean, holy crap! I mean, I'm, you know, somebody I'd remember. I remember somebody was telling me on Twitter, or somebody was telling me on on uh, Facebook, that this matchup uh, Goldberg or oh, I'm sorry was uh, Dolph Ziggler was going to give Goldberg a good run and it's probably going to last about ten minutes, and I I was laughing at that when this person said it, and I went ahead and responded back by saying more like ten seconds, and that's pretty much how it was with Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler because the matchup it didn't even last. 10 minutes it lasted I would say close to two minutes and then after that you know Goldberg wins the matchup that was it it was over all of a sudden Dolph Ziggler is on the microphone and he decides to go ahead and be stupid and try to go ahead and call out Goldberg and that's exactly what he did and then Goldberg comes out and spears him again Dolph Ziggler goes back on the microphone and starts being all stupid once again Goldberg comes back one more time picks him up and then lames him out you know pretty much spears him and I'm like saying to myself, okay, this is not working for Dolph. And I'm wondering, okay, how long is this going to go? And more importantly, is Dolph Ziggler, can we, and this is just me talking. This is just me, you know, going through with what I, what I feel should, should happen. I mean, with all due respect to Dolph Ziggler, I admire him as a performer. I admire him as, you know, a very great talent, but he's been, he's starting to become a joke all of a sudden. He loses an opportunity at the WWE Championship, not once, but twice. Uh, I would say three times to be exact. And then he goes ahead and he loses to Goldberg. He goes through with the whole routine with the Legends deal. I mean, pretty much, I, I don't mind 
the heel Ziggler, but he's already starting to become lame. It's already starting to become worse, and he's already getting worse as it is, you know? So I don't know how far this is going to go. I'm just hoping that this whole thing with Dolph Ziggler comes to an end. It does, you know? And, uh, you know, I would like to go ahead and review some of the other matches on there, but um, I think a couple of matches or a couple of things that I wanted to talk about that were absolutely like... um, There were three matches that I wanted to talk about. One is for the WWE Championship, which I was hoping to talk about in this whole uh, deal and everything. Um, Let's see. uh, I know that, um, uh, if I remember this correctly, I know that uh, AJ Styles had retained his United States Championship against Ricochet, which was not a surprise there. Uh, Bailey had had his her match against uh, Sasha Banks. Oh, I'm not. I'm sorry, Sasha Banks. Uh, Ember Moon, which was uh, a great match, but it wasn't exactly like uh, an all star matchup. And I don't think people were even into this matchup at all because I think people. Uh, if it, it was one thing, if it was one thing, if people were behind Ember Moon and the matchup looked solid, looked good. But I think people were just, they weren't into the matchup with Bailey and Ember Moon. I, I think it would have been better if Ember Moon would have won the match and it would have been okay. But in this case, we all knew it wasn't going to be okay. We all knew it was just going to end up the way it was. Bailey wins the matchup and then that's it. It's out the window. The, um, the matchup with Trish Stratus versus uh, Charlotte Flair. Um, that was a very good matchup. I, I have to say that the matchup between Trish and Charlotte was uh, it was very outstanding it was good overall and I think uh, I I think this was the better ending I at first I really didn't like the idea of Trish Stratus losing in her hometown but at the same time uh, I know that WWE has always had this tendency of making a person lose in their hometown now it doesn't happen that often and when it does it it just kind of makes you think oh my god i mean what why can't you just let her win why can't you just let her win i mean this is i i know some people were saying that um trish stratish was passing the torch over to charlotte i don't believe that was the case I, i i always feel like there's no such thing as passing the torch i always believe in uh, if they're gonna pass the torch, they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to overcome it or not overcome it. It's one thing when you when you supposedly take the torch when you take it, but when they decide and I, and I feel that this is always true, when they decide that they want to pass the torch to you, it'll be up to them. I don't think Trish Stratus passed the torch. I think Trish Stratus respects Charlotte respects Charlotte for what she does and looks at Charlotte as exactly what Lita is and and Jacqueline and uh, Victoria and all these other women that pretty much paved the wave for the women's division to be where it is. Charlotte Flair, whether we like it or not, I mean, she is the best women's wrestler going in WWE today. And in over, you know, she's she is in. You know, I know some people are probably gonna 
argue with me over this one, but I think she's a lot better than Becky Lynch at this point in time right now. And not that Becky can't beat Charlotte because, you know, we've already seen the two matches that happened between Charlotte and um, Becky Lynch. And, um, you know, because it was one year ago when uh, Becky Lynch turned heel and basically the, the formation of the man began and that's exactly what happened. So Charlotte beating Trish Stratus in her hometown was um, it was great. I don't think Trish Stratus had a problem with it. And would I like to see a rematch? Well, I'm I'm gonna say, well I'm gonna say yeah, but also no, because I don't think it's really gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna end up at that point in time right now. I think it's just gonna be, you know, right where it needs to be. I don't think Trish Stratus is better off just. Uh, doing what she does with Charlotte and then moves on and I I truly feel this is not her last match. I think I think uh I think Trish Stratus will come back into the ring one more time. I, I see that happening. I don't know with who exactly, but I'd like to see her come back in the ring just one more time, you know, just to, you know, get it out of the way, so to speak. Uh the match with the WWE championship. Oh my God. I mean where 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 in the world do I begin with this? And, and and that crowd in Toronto, the crowd was pretty much... I'm not sure if they were into the match at all between Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton or if they were just not giving a fuck, you know? And I was listening to this crowd. The crowd was saying, Kofi stupid, Randy sucks. Kofi stupid, Randy sucks. It was kind of like... You know, the the chant that we're always used to hearing from John Cena. Let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Let's go Cena, Cena sucks. You know, kind of like that. But in this case, I think the matchup with Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston to me was just... You know, I don't think the crowd was into it. And more importantly, I think the crowd just wanted this whole thing with Kofi Kingston to come to an end because... You know, I, I think I said this in a previous podcast where while it's okay that Kofi is a champion, while it was fine that he was a champion at WrestleMania, while he had that one good moment, I think it was better for Kofi to give up the title at SummerSlam to Randy Orton. Because I look at it as, I don't look at Kofi as a WWE champion. I really don't. Because even though he has the championship in his possession, he's still with the New Day. Now, even though the New Day has the tag team titles and has the WWE championship, and they should be a very powerful force to be dealing with in WWE, but it's really not. And, and plus, when you think closely about this, Kofi Kingston, don't get me wrong, he's a great champion. But this has been more about Kofi and the New Day as opposed to Kofi being on his own. Randy Orton, on the other hand, is a different type of superstar because even though, even though some people are you know do not like what Randy Orton is and everything else like that, there are some people that rather would see Orton become champion than Kofi Kingston. And I was saying this during the entire matchup with Kofi and Randy Orton. If the matchup was different, and and I think I said this somewhere in a podcast, if 
Randy Orton was not in the title picture and it was Samoa Joe, I guarantee you that Toronto crowd would have been all over Joe and say, hey, we want Joe to be the champion. We want Joe to be Kofi Kingston. We want him to be the man. And we want this whole thing with Kofi Kingston to come to an end. And I think it's true. I mean, I think people would rather see Joe become champion because when I, I stated this before, Joe, uh, Joe versus Kofi at Extreme Rules was awesome. And Joe did exactly what he did at Extreme Rules. He beat Kofi Kingston down. He broke him to his foundation. He took him to a point to his limit. And at the end, I already knew right away that Kofi Kingston was going to win. It wasn't, it wasn't like one of those, like I knew it was going to happen all along. It was a gimme right there. It was pretty much a gimme right there. And I thought that if the WWE is smart, and they have not really been that smart lately. If the WWE is smart, they're going to allow Joe and allow Kofi to go at each other one more time at SummerSlam. And that would be your main event matchup for SummerSlam. That would be what everyone's talking about. And if that matchup between Kofi and Joe would have taken place at SummerSlam and not Kofi versus Randy Orton, I guarantee you that Toronto crowd would have said, fuck yeah, we want Joe to win. We want Joe to beat the shit out of Kofi Kingston. And that's it. His title runs over. We want to see Joe become champion. That is how it should have been done. Not how this, not how this shit ended. Because I wanted Randy Orton to win. And it was, like I said, a gimme. It was a big gimme. And once, once Kofi went outside and once Randy, Randy Orton went ahead and um, did the whole thing by going after his kids, which that, that was pretty much another gimme as well. And then Kofi went ahead and reacted like he was a father. You know, and that's what happened. I mean, when when your kids are being provoked and and you're doing this right in front of the father, the father's going to go ahead and attack. He's going to protect his kids. That's what he did. And that Toronto crowd was booing the shit out of that. And I was like, okay, what is wrong with these people? You know, and I think I understood what was wrong. I, I think I understood what that Toronto crowd wanted. I think they wanted they wanted the match to end with Kofi Kofi losing the title and Randy Orton to win it. And even though it's not exactly what they wanted, that's exactly what they were going to get. And it didn't turn out that way. Kofi Kingston, you know, pretty much won the matchup by disqualification or by count out, I'm sorry. And this whole feud with Randy Orton versus um this whole feud with Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston, from what I understand now, is being taken to another level. And that level, supposedly, they're going to try and take it up to hell in the cell. Which, in my opinion, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's stupid. I think we should just see the title picture change hands. I think we should just see how far this is going to go. I mean, we basically, basically, we need to see this title end up in someone's hands. I mean, because with Randy Orton, yeah, he'll be a 14-time champion. We'll dig it. We'll like it. But it's only going to be for a short period of time. And as I stated before, if it was Joe, I guarantee you the crowd would love Samoa Joe to be the champion. It would have been great. But nonetheless, the ending of SummerSlam, the ending of the match with Kofi versus Randy Orton, it could have been a whole lot better. And that crowd was chanting bullshit. And even when Kofi was out there defending his kids and defending his family, the crowd was still booing. 
And it was you, you, and you have to also understand when you're in Canada, especially in Toronto, you're gonna expect the crowd to be different than the way things are in the United States. You know, pretty much, I, I would say either the same or maybe a little bit different. I don't know. It was just uh, so crazy to me how it how it ended up. I wanted to also talk about one of the coolest things that happened at SummerSlam. And it is still one of the coolest things that have happened ever. Um, the matchup between Finn Balor and The Fiend. And I got to admit, I know that there was a lot of people that have been saying that maybe it should have been okay for, um, maybe it should have been okay for Finn Balor to come out as a demon. But I said that, no, nah, I don't think it should happen that way because, you know, obviously everyone's going to, you know, they're trying to introduce Finn Balor or they're trying to introduce The Fiend, Bray Wyatt's new character, into SummerSlam. And, like, with any new character, any new persona that's out there, you don't go ahead and decide to go ahead and make the other guy become this individual to defeat the new character. You've got to let the new character evolve. You've got to let it show out. And that's exactly what happened. So while Finn Balor came out and his whole, you know, deal and everything else like that with the jacket and the whole nine yards, Finn, um, Finn Balor's opponent, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, came out to one of the most spectacular and one of the most awesome entrances I have ever seen. And this was just, oh my God. And I was, I already knew how the entrance was going to come out. I didn't think it was, it's pretty much like, it's pretty much like Bray Wyatt's old entrance, but it's more updated. It's The Fiend. It's, you know, like everything I expected and more. The music itself, the entrance. I mean, everyone just cannot get over that entrance music. It's the same entrance music, obviously, but it's more up-to-date. It's more heavy. It's more intense than ever. I was hoping for Slipknot to somehow come out at the SummerSlam pay-per-view. I thought that they would be the ones to do Bray Wyatt's new song because when you think about it, when you look at The Fiend closely... He looks like he's a member of Slipknot. I mean, and come on, let's be honest. I mean, anyone that's a fan of uh, Slipknot like myself knows that uh, when you see the mask, when you see how they look and everything, wow, it's just amazing, you know? And I thought Slipknot would be the perfect candidate to do Bray Wyatt's entrance music. I could actually hear Corey Graves sing that same song, or not Corey Graves, Corey Taylor of Slipknot, and would sing that song and would make it menacing and make it so terrifying to where it's like, wow, this is fucking awesome. But the way they did it at SummerSlam was was good. Was damn well good. I love the entrance. I love how it came out. The Fiend was amazing. And that crowd was into the entrance. And right away when the music was over, Finn Balor was scared. Finn Balor was completely scared. And I've never seen anything like that. And the way Bray Wyatt came out, and the way this Fiend character had evolved and had become, and everything. I mean, this was what I was waiting for. And this is what a lot of fans have been waiting for out of Bray Wyatt. Because 
From the beginning, when, you know, right after WrestleMania, when these vignettes start coming out, you see Mercy the Buzzard come out. You see Abby the Witch. And then the beginning of the Firefly Funhouse. And they started doing all of these crazy skits of pretty much like a Mr. Rogers type vignette. This was something that I knew. I mean, I, I knew right away that. Bray Wyatt was not going to stop being the character that he used to be. But this was a different character. This was so different from how it was when I first saw Bray Wyatt years ago. When I saw Bray Wyatt years ago, he was he was a monster, but he was this different cat that had was not like the Undertaker but spoken in riddles and spoken in so many things that made you wonder what the fuck is this dude saying? And you pay attention to him, and you listen to everything that he says. And then, of course, came the whole thing with him and Matt Hardy, you know, and the whole thing with the eater of wor words or a deleter of worlds. I think that's what it was called, their team at the time, which was good. And Bray Wyatt had a lot of success with the Bray Wyatt character. He became a WWE champion, became a SmackDown tag team champion, became a Raw tag team champion. And this was good for Bray Wyatt's career. But now, with The Fiend coming out, this is a different character. This is different. This is beyond different. This is not how Bray Wyatt came out the first time. This is much different. It was like a whole new Bray Wyatt came to life. But this time, you had a different persona. You have The Fiend. And this dude was, overall, like this was just the most spectacular entrance I've ever seen. And it was still pure Bray Wyatt, but there was a different edge with him. There was a different edge with The Fiend character. And... Of course, we know what happened. Bray Wyatt won the match. The Fiend won the match against Finn Balor, which was no surprise. But the one thing that really shocked a lot of people was when, I think if everyone saw it, Bray Wyatt had Finn Balor's neck and pretty much twisted it like that. And when I think about that, when I think about the way Bray Wyatt did it, I I go back to, I think it was 1989. Uh, I remember a long time ago, Right around the time when Survivor Series was coming, uh, I remember Ted DiBiase requiring the services of Zeus. And Zeus was having his feud with Hogan. And I remember when, when Zeus was trying to snap the neck of Hulk Hogan. And that's where it came from. When you look at the way Bray Wyatt did it, that's exactly where it came from. When you look at the way Zeus did it to Hogan, it's the same thing. It was like you were trying to kill off this dude. And that's exactly what Bray Wyatt did with Finn Balor, was trying to kill off the character of Finn Balor and put him out of the way, and then Finn Balor win the match, which he did. And the end, even the end of the entrance was badass. I mean, all of a sudden he was there in the ring, everything turned dark, the lights were starting to flicker, um, he was looking right at the character, uh, right at the camera, and then everything turned black, and then a few seconds later, when the lights came on, all of a sudden, Bray Wyatt is gone. Bray Wyatt was completely gone, and all of a sudden, Finn Balor was all that was left in the ring. And that was just amazing to me. That was... Like, holy shit. And that crowd, I mean, that crowd in Toronto was into it. You heard them. They said, that was awesome. 
that was awesome, and I agreed with that. Everybody was talking about it. Hell, the WWE was trying to, uh, when I saw this on Facebook, they were showing the full entrance from beginning to the end. Not the end of the match, but just from the beginning to end the full entrance that he did when he came out with the lantern. The lantern was pretty cool. It pretty much, when you look at it closely, it's Bray Wyatt. It's Bray Wyatt, mouth open and all, and a light appears right there, and that was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. But they did the whole entrance thing, right, that appeared on Facebook, and it was there for, like, just for that, a few moments, right? And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my God. And then all of a sudden, I was trying to uh, show it on my Main Event Talk Facebook page, and then all of a sudden, the WWE decided to delete it. And then they brought it back again, but they did it, like, in 58 seconds, which was lame. I love the first one when it came out to like a minute and uh, 30 seconds or something like that. The entrance was around maybe two, three minutes, which was good. I liked it. The entrance was great. And then, most recently, they went ahead and tried to do the picture of Bray Wyatt, right? You know, of, of the Fiend character. And then I was trying to save the photo and show it off on my Main Event Talk Facebook page. Well, actually, I, I did show it off on my Main Event Talk Facebook page. But then the WWE decided to go ahead and delete it get rid of the photo. It's like, what the, what, you had this on for a moment, now all of a sudden you want to delete it? What the hell's the matter with you, you know? So, I love the entrance. Bray Wyatt's character, The Fiend, is going to go places, and I don't know who his next victim will be, but I'm hoping it's someone, someone that, that's a little bit, well, I don't, I don't want to give away too much detail, Let's just say that I'm hoping that this character will be able to give us what we want. And I think Finn Balor, oh, I'm sorry, I think uh, The Fiend is going to give us exactly what we want. And big congratulations to Finn, to, uh, I'm sorry, Bray Wyatt, to The Fiend. This is, this is the, the best character I've seen. The music, the entrance was good. Everything was awesome about that, that particular match. And you figured, you figured that would have been the first match, right? You figured that would have been the opening for SummerSlam, right? But it ended up showing up at the very, very end of the SummerSlam event, which was pretty good. So now it leads us to the Universal Championship match between uh, Brock Lesnar and <coughs> Seth Rollins. Now, I will admit that I wanted Seth Rollins to win, but I have this strange feeling where... We're going to get back to the same old, oh, Brock Lesnar wins and blah, 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 and that's it. It's over. It's out the fucking window. We don't have to deal with this shit anymore. And then we're going to lose the Universal Championship, and we won't see it until either Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble. The match with Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar was actually, from everyone's point of view, the match of the night. And I kind of find that very, very funny. I kind of find that very, very funny hearing that from a lot of the pe of those same people that were behind Brock Lesnar and wanted to be the WWE Universal Champion, you know? And it's just so funny hearing that from them. But uh, the matchup was very, very good. I thought, you know, seeing Seth Rollins come in and, you know, doing what he does with Brock Lesnar, and he was trying to avoid... Trying to get his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar because anytime when you see him, he's going to hit you with the suplex and you're going to go down, you're going to get finished, and that's it. 
And every time when SummerSlam comes around, I mean, this is, SummerSlam, I always felt like it's Brock Lesnar's event. When you think about it very, very closely, let's look at it. 2002 was when Brock Lesnar won the WWE Undisputed Championship when he defeated The Rock. And I think it was 2012 when he defeated Triple H one-on-one. And 2013 was when he defeated uh, CM Punk. 2015, I believe, was when Brock Lesnar defeated John Cena in the most lopsided match in the history of the WWE. I mean, my God, I mean, I've never seen 16 suplexes on John Cena. That was at SummerSlam. That was at SummerSlam of 2015. 2016, Brock Lesnar beat the shit out of Randy Orton. No, actually, let me correct that. I'm sorry. Um, what was it? It was 2013. Um, 2013 was CM Punk. 2014 was John Cena. 2015 was The Undertaker. There we go. The Undertaker, but he pretty pretty much lost that matchup. But you know, long story on that. 2016 was Randy Orton. 2017. What was 17? Who did Brock face? Oh, Brock was in a fatal four-way match for the Universal Championship. I think that was, if I remember this correctly, it was Braun Strowman, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar. That's that's the matchup. And then, of course, in 2018, Brock Lesnar, I believe he defended the Universal Championship. And who did he? It was up against Roman Reigns. Yes, it was up against Roman Reigns. That was one year ago. And now, all of a sudden... One year later, here we are. Brock Lesnar is still the Universal Champion, but this time he goes up, up against one of the Shield brothers, you know, and that would be Seth Rollins. And the match, like I said, um, it was good. It was very, very good. It was the match of the night, um, you know, hitting curb stomp after curb stomp. And I thought for sure, I thought for sure, that um, Seth Rollins was going to go ahead and get hit with the F5, and that was it. I thought, uh, well, it was good. It lasted while it did. And then all of a sudden, once the F5 was about to get hit, Seth Rollins pulled a counter and then hit one more curb stomp on Brock Lesnar. And one, two, three, and four. And for the second time, I don't know why people brought it up by the third time, but for the second time, Seth Rollins has defeated Brock Lesnar. The first time was at WrestleMania. The second time was at was at this year's SummerSlam. I think I know where the third one came from. I think it was it was at WrestleMania 31 and it was when when Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank. Now, I, I usually keep track of this stuff, but keep in mind, guys, I I look at it as as Brock Lesnar did not lose to Seth Rollins twice, uh, to three times. It's twice, fair and square. The first time it was it was pretty much a tri- triple threat match because Roman Reigns was involved in the match. If he, any, anybody remember that correctly. So nonetheless, Seth Rollins won his match at SummerSlam. It was a good match. It was a good event. High overall. Um, it wasn't like 
It wasn't like the best SummerSlam of the world, but it was uh, it was damn good. It was damn good. I uh, I wouldn't mind watching it again. As a matter of fact, I did watch it last night, and it was uh, it was still a good event. It would have been a whole lot better, but it was still a good event nonetheless. It was good that Seth Rollins is still the is the Universal Champion, and it was good that the ch- uh, that the championship is now around his waist because now we'll be able to see the Universal Championship around WWE Raw, and it'll also mean that we'll see some new contenders go after Seth Rollins, whether it's Drew McIntyre or whether it would be uh, AJ Styles. I would love to see that matchup. Uh, Ricochet or maybe uh, Samoa Joe. Who knows? I mean, I would just love to see that Universal Championship around someone's waist other than Seth Rollins. Now, I know some people are still like, well, we don't, you know, we're glad that Seth Rollins is a champion, but now we want that title off his off his waist. Now, the next event that's coming up is going to be, I believe, the Clash of Champions. That's going to happen next month around September. And reports were already coming in that there's going to be a matchup between Seth Rollins and, uh, I believe it was, uh, who was it, Seth Rollins and uh, Braun Strowman. Yes, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins to go at it at the Clash of Champions for the Universal Championship. And um, I know some people were probably saying to themselves, oh, here we go, Braun Strowman is going to be given an opportunity at a title and it's not going to happen. They're just going to go ahead and, you know, make sure that Seth Rollins is still champion. To me, in my opinion, uh, I would rather see and. I know some people are probably going to hate me for saying this, but I think Seth Rollins should lose the WWE Universal Championship to Braun Strowman. And let me explain why. Because I think Seth Rollins holding on to the Universal Championship is fine, and it would be great if he were to win the championship at WrestleMania or defend the championship at WrestleMania. But I would rather see Seth Rollins win the Universal Championship at WrestleMania against Braun Strowman or against whatever champion comes along. And also, personally to me, I'd like to see Braun Strowman become the Universal Champion at Clash of Champions because, number one, he deserves it. Number two, he's been overlooked. Number three, he's been screwed. And, and, And keep in mind, keep in mind, what happened at the beginning of 2019? Remember when it was going to be Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at SummerSlam, and it ended up being Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor for the Universal Championship? And while that matchup was good, while it was good that Finn Balor had his matchup with Brock Lesnar, you know how it ended up. It ended up Brock Lesnar winning and Finn Balor losing, and the matchup didn't even last long than 10 minutes. I mean, it was just that, yeah, it was good that Finn Balor got his moment, got his opportunity, and then it just went to shit. I'm sorry. I just felt that that was just stupid. It was lame. It should have been a whole lot better than that. But now, I'm hoping that Braun Strowman will win the Universal Championship. I'm hoping that they finally give him a chance at the Universal Championship. Because as far as I'm concerned, Braun Strowman, to me, has always been overlooked. He's always been overlooked for the WWE Championship. He's always been overlooked for the Universal Championship. And management, that being Vince McMahon, will probably either like the fact that Braun Strowman would be the next Universal Champion or 
probably just doesn't want to see that happen anytime soon. Which I think is absolutely ridiculous. I think we just need to see that title around his waist one way or another. So, unless something changes, it is, a, it is going to be official because at Clash of Champions, it's going to be Braun Strowman going one-on-one -on -one against Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. That's going to take place live around September... I think it's the 15th or 16th. I could be wrong. I need to check that out. And it's going to happen live on pay-per-view and on the WWE Network. Now, I'm going to probably go ahead and take off in just a moment. But before I go ahead and take off, guys, there's a lot of things we need to talk about before we go. Guys, you know that um, this past Monday, a couple things came down. Number one, the return of the King of the Ring tournament is going to take place starting this coming Monday night on Monday Night Raw. And I cannot wait for that. Eight superstars from SmackDown and eight superstars from uh, from Raw are going to be competing in the King of the Ring tournament. And I'm so glad that the King of the Ring tournament is coming back. And I'm so glad to see how this is going to end up and turn out and everything else like that. And also, hopefully, and I don't think this will happen yet... But I'm kind of hoping, and this is just something that's off the top of my head, and I'm hoping that it does happen. And if it does happen, how about this? Everybody knows about the King of the Ring tournament, right? Why not go ahead and have a Queen of the Ring tournament? Why not? And here's something nobody probably thought about. How about have the Queen of the Ring tournament take place at the Evolution pay-per-view? Think about it. I mean, while they went ahead and had their inaugural Evolution pay-per-view last year, how about this year you put a Queen of the Ring tournament in that event? I mean, that will be something that a lot of women would like, and that will be something that a lot of wrestling fans would definitely like, to see a Queen of the Ring take place at WWE Evolution. That would be something to check out. But... I'm not saying that that's official, but that should be something that the WWE really needs to think about. But nonetheless, WWE King of the Ring is starting this coming Monday night on Monday Night Raw. Check it out at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, live on the USA Network, and the main event cannot wait for that. Also, you guys know that a couple of other things are going to be happening around August, including the all-out pay-per-view that's going to take place live Saturday night, August 31st. It will go opposed to... The NXT UK TakeOver Cardioff, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. I can't wait to see how this event, the AEW event, goes one-on-one -on -one against this event, the NXT UK TakeOver event. This should be very, very interesting. And in one of the matches that is going to take place at the all-out take all-out match, one match in particular that I'm definitely looking forward to seeing is well there's a couple of matches but two of them well let me let me go ahead and just bring them out for the inaugural AEW World Heavyweight Championship who will be the champion at the all out pay-per-view will it be the number 1 contender Chris Jericho or will it be the winner of the Casino Royale Battle Royal in Hangman Adam Page. That's going to be something that the main event is looking forward to checking out. One other matchup in particular that the main event is going to be looking forward to checking out is this.
Kenny Omega going one-on-one -on -one against John Moxley. Now, here's the thing, and I'll say this straight up. I like John Moxley. I like the character. I love who he's become, and I hope he beats the shit out of Kenny Omega. And let me explain why. Number one, Kenny Omega is a tremendous star. Number two, he's not the biggest star. Number three, he hasn't proven anything to me or to anybody else for that matter that he deserves to be in All Elite Wrestling. And let me explain why, guys. Because while All Elite Wrestling may have Kenny Omega on their roster, Kenny Omega hasn't proven anything yet. You want to know why? Think back to Double or Nothing. Think back to that event when Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega had that matchup. It was good. It was great. But who won that match? Kenny Omega got beat by a big-time star, a former world champion in Chris Jericho. Kenny Omega, yes, he was the former IWGP champion. Held titles all over the world. But here's the thing. It's one thing when you're a big star in New Japan. It's another when you're a big-time star in any other country in the world. But when you're in the United States, and when you try to make yourself a huge name for yourself, while everyone in the United States may know who Kenny Omega is, there are others that say, this dude ain't shit. Kenny Omega hasn't proven anything yet. Who is this guy? Why should we even get behind him? John Moxley, on the other hand, we all know who he is. John Moxley is the guy that used to be known as Dean Ambrose. But a long time ago, he was John Moxley. He was John Moxley back in the day. And then when he came to the WWE, he became a big-time star. He was one of the guys that formed one of the most awesome groups in the history of WWE, The Shield. Dean Ambrose has been an Intercontinental Champion, a United States Champion, a tag team champion, a WWE champion. He was one of the guys that came in and he was a big time star. He was a big time star. And when John Moxley, well, actually, let me, let me correct that. When Dean Ambrose left and when he appeared at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view, I said on a previous podcast on my main event talk, I said that if John Moxley chooses to go to any other company. I would either see him in NXT or Impact Wrestling or even in AEW. And then I remember saying this when I said that if John Moxley were to appear at the AEW event, he should appear right around the match between Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. And my God, did I fucking call it. He came in, he beat the shit out of Chris Jericho. He came in, he beat the shit out of Kenny Omega. And John Moxley made a huge buzz, huge name for himself in AEW. And he would be the man that everyone would be talking about. And now Kenny Omega wants revenge. Now Kenny Omega wants an opportunity to go at John Moxley. Because while Kenny Omega lost to a big-time star like Chris Jericho... You think Kenny Omega has what it takes to be a big-time star like John Moxley? I don't think so. I like Kenny Omega. He's a great star. He's not the biggest star in the world. 
But if he were to find a way to beat John Moxley in the middle of the ring, okay, then I'll be impressed. I'll be impressed with what he has. I'll be impressed with what he does. And he'll be something special. But in the meantime, while there are other wrestling fans that look at Kenny Omega and say he's badass, he's great, everybody should give him a chance. I will give him a chance, definitely. But he has to beat a big-time star. He has to beat John Moxley. So we'll see what happens at the All Out pay-per-view on Saturday night, August 31st. The main event cannot wait for that event and everything else like that. And it should be tremendous to check out live as it happens on pay-per-view and the whole nine yards. And don't forget, guys, you know that All Elite Wrestling is going to be having their, their first show that's going to take place around, I believe, Wednesday, October 2nd. And it's going to be head-to-head right next to WWE's NXT. So that should be very, very interesting to check out. In the main event, cannot wait for that. Check it out. All Elite Wrestling will happen on TNT, live as it happens, on Wednesday, October 2nd. Be ready for that. It's going to be tremendous to check out. Okay, now that we've got those promos out of the way, I'm going to go ahead and take off and leave you out from here on out. And once again, guys, don't forget, the King of the Ring Tournament is going to take place... This coming Monday night on Monday Night Raw, who is going to be crowned the new King of the Ring? We'll just have to find out somewhere down the road. 16 superstars, 8 from Raw, 8 from SmackDown. It's going to be a great event to check out. And also, who? what will happen between Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman? Are they going to go up against each other over at Clash of Champions for the Universal Championship? We'll all have to find out in the whole, whole nine yards. Also, what's in store for the WWE Championship between Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton? How far is that going to go? And also, you guys know about what happened this past Monday. The return of Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks came back with a vengeance. Is she going to be taking on the man for the WWE Raw Women's Championship? We'll all have to find out this coming Monday night on Monday Night Raw. It should be tremendous. I'm glad that the boss is back. It's good that the boss is back. And all I know is the boss versus the man at Clash of Champions for the Raw Women's Championship? That's good. That's very, very good. And the main event cannot wait for that to take place. On Monday night, well, on the Clash of Champions, I'm sorry. But anyways, guys, I'm going to go ahead and call it a night. And uh, like I said, I, I would have loved to have reviewed the whole SummerSlam live as it took place on my um, on my uh, Main Event Talk live podcast. But I, Well, not on my podcast, I'm sorry, but on my live Main Event Talk Facebook page. I would have loved to have done it, but... Like I said, there were some difficulties and everything else like that, so I'd like to apologize for that and everything else like that, and hopefully I'll get an opportunity to do a live main event talk uh, live main event talk episode sometime in the near future. Oh, and also before I go ahead and go, and I want to get this out of the way because i got to give my good friends... Um, my good friends, a knife, the Knife Party, a shout-out to this one because, as you know, they're going to be having a show over at Theo's Billiards coming up on September 
September the seventh or ninth, I believe. I think it was September seventh. Yeah, Sa- I think it's a Saturday or Friday. I could be wrong, but I know it's on September seventh. Knife Party, a tribute to Def Deftones, is going to be playing live over at well. It used to be known as Theo's, but now it's called Rich's Billiards. So, guys, the main event is recommending all of you. If you're listening to this podcast right now, and if you're listening to the very, very end of this podcast, I want you to do yourself a favor, okay? I want you to go ahead, and I want you to go over and find the Facebook page of Knife Party, a tribute to Deftones. You follow them, and then what you do is you go ahead and follow their event. Because if you've seen them live, I don't have to tell you what's going on. But for those of you that have not, if you want to see Deftones live, well, actually, if you want to see Knife Party live, a tribute to Deftones, I suggest you head over to Theo's Billiards, or actually head over to Richard's Billiards. I'm going to say Saturday night, but I could be wrong. Uh, September 7th. Uh, doors will open, I think, around 8 or 9 o'clock. I don't know who else is going to be playing, but I do know that Knife Party will be playing over there. And for the first time in a long, long time, and I've been going through a lot of stuff within the past couple of weeks to the past couple of months, and I have not been to a good show in a long time, and I decided, and I mentioned this a long time ago, if I choose to return to Richard's Billiards. If I choose to walk into the doors of Theo's one more time, I'm going to be there for a show, and I can't wait for this show to take place. And when that show takes place, the main event will be there. And not only that, and I'm putting a warning out to everyone that's listening to this podcast right now. When the main event arrives, when I show up over at Richard's Billiards, I'm going to be the one wearing a Theo shirt. That's right. I'm going to be wearing that shirt over at that event. Because here's the thing. I don't care what anyone says. Theo's is going to be giving its final farewell. And I'm going to be the one to orchestrate it. Because regardless, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Theo's Billiards will always and forever will be my bar. And I don't care about the lame-ass bullshit that I've been hearing about and that I've been seeing and everything else like that. I know the story. I know about what happened. And I know about everything. Here's the deal. Here is the deal. I've been around Theo's for a long, long time. I was there around February 14th of 2003. That's how long I've been in that bar. I was there when it died. I was there when it came back. I was there when the Periwinkle Massacre, the legendary Periwinkle Massacre, came on that stage. I was there for bands like Taproot, bands like Twelve Stones, bands like my good friends Adima, Saliva, Norma Jean, Straight Line Stitch, and every other band that has played in there. How about Killamora? Huh? How about Leoric? Huh? How about that? How about Texas Hate Machine? How about them? Huh? How about my good friends Shattered Sun? They've played at Theo's Billiards as well. I've been coming to that place for a long, long time. And I do not exactly like the idea, the fact that Theo's is called Richard's Billiards. And while 
I may support it. I still don't like the name change. But we're going to have to get used to it, unfortunately. But I am going to be at that show. I am going to be there to support my friend's knife party, a tribute to Deftones. And I'm going to be there wearing my Theo's Billiards shirt. I'm going to wear it one time. That's it. I'm not going to wear it all the time. I'm just going to wear it that one time to pay my respects, to say my farewells, and to have myself a good time because I deserve it and Theos deserves it and everyone else in that bar deserves it. So guys, if you want to see Knife Party, a tribute to Deftones, all you got to do is go over to Theos Bar, formerly Theos, now called Richard's Billiards, and be there to support Knife Party on September 7th. Be there when the show takes place. And the main event will be there overall to support the band and to support anyone else that's there for them. Be there. I will. I'm not sure exactly what the cover is for that show. But I'll find out more details as soon as I can. So guys... That's it. That's my promo. That's my shit done. And I am out of here. The main event talk podcast is officially done. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, going to sleep, doing whatever. And no doubt I'll be, you know, ready to pull out some more main event talk podcasts in the near future. So, guys, thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of the main event talk. And as I stated before, I would have loved to have done a live episode of the Main Event Talk on my Main Event Talk Facebook page, but I couldn't do it. But I will do that sometime in the near future, so be ready for that when it takes place. And once again, check out the King of the Ring tournament. It starts this coming Monday night on Monday Night Raw. Eight superstars from Raw and eight superstars from SmackDown will be competing. Who will be the new King of the Ring? We'll all have to find out very very soon and once again guys check out (coughs) I'm sorry guys check out my good friends Knife Party a tribute to Deftones coming up on September 7th over at Rich's Billiards it should be a tremendous show and the main event cannot wait for that I'm not sure what other bands are going to be playing over there but if I find out any details I'll let you guys know right here on the main event talk podcast so ladies and gentlemen the main event is out of here I want to say thank you very much for listening to this episode and subscribe to the main event talk right here on Spotify and on any other podcast that you're listening to right now this is the Main Event Talk Podcast, the most controversial Main Event Talk Podcast in all of YouTube, Facebook Live, social media entertainment, and the whole nine yards. I'll bring it to you however you want it. Why? Because I can and I want to. Any questions, enough said. Thank you very, very much for listening, and I'll see you next time, right here on the Main Event Talk Podcast.